Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome back Rick Clone into the podcast. Welcome back, Rick. Hey, James. Rick, it's good to have you back. We're going to talk about some metrics today. But before we get into that, you are the implementation and training manager at Iridicio. You spent a lot of time working with clients on implementing processes, PM programs, developing training, delivering training, all those great things. Although super brief, what else do you want to tell us about your background, how long you've been in maintenance, reliability, that type of thing? Well, I've been doing this for a long time, and I always say every time I come on your podcast, I've been doing this since the 1900s, as my daughter likes to say. So uh, late 1900s, <laughs> but still the 1900s. Um, I, uh, I started in the nuclear Navy back in 1990. I uh, got out of the Navy after one enlistment. It wasn't for me. I was on a submarine. Uh, ended up going into manufacturing maintenance. was a technician for a long time, fixing a lot of broke stuff, doing PMs. Uh, got into supervision, uh, maintenance and reliability was next. And then uh, not too long after that, uh, your D show called me. So um, been doing this for, like I said, almost 30 years now. Seems like forever, but it's been a, been a fun ride. All right. Excellent. So like I said, we're going to talk about metrics and, you know, whether you're in the Navy, whether you're in manufacturing and now at your D show, they're measuring something when they're using KPIs or metrics what is a metric to begin with? Because I don't think everyone globally uses the term metric. They might use KPI or something else. You know, and, and to be honest with you, I, I don't really care what you call it. Um, it can be KPI metric and they can be used interchangeably. Some people get real hung, wrapped around the axle, the difference between the two. And, and in, my, in my opinion, if you're measuring something to get better or to find out a weak spot, I, I, you know, you can call it a metric if you want to. It's any kind of quantitative assessment used to compare or track or measure performance or production of a process. This is about processes, not about people. Okay. We'll probably talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think that is key. It is about the process, not the person. It's just like when we go to do assessments, we're evaluating the process. We're not evaluating, evaluating the individual. Nope. Nope. So, you know, and that kind of leads us, like you mentioned that we're using metrics to measure process and we're really doing that to identify gaps in that process or gaps from where future state stuff like that is that why organizations really use metrics or are they using it for that plus some other reasons well do you want the do you want the real reason why they use org- <laughs> some organizations use metrics or why they should use them <laughs> well let's talk about sometimes both. that's different let's talk about both yeah so so you know there's it's it's very interesting because you know the more i do this it basically it breaks up into two areas. You have those organizations that are attached to a person, which is usually attached to a department. Uh, and then you have those that are attached to, you know, uh, the, the entire facility, you know, like for example, safety incidents and things like that. That's not going to be uh, attached to a person, but you know, when you get to, for example, you know, schedule, you know, scheduling accuracy, we were going to do this schedule, but it didn't. It didn't work out. People immediately go back and blame the planner scheduler, right? It's attached to that person. 
um, when it should be the process. Um, the purpose of metrics ideally is to one, first and foremost, understand where we are today. Okay. And that's what I always say. I don't really care where you were yesterday, where you are tomorrow. You have to know where you are today. And when you count up all those todays, it's going to show a trend in one direction or another. Then you decide whether do I need, you need to intervene or not. Right. So keep measuring today. Don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Keep measuring today and, or this week or this month and then figure out, well, is this acceptable? Is this not acceptable? All right. Perfect. So we want to see if it's acceptable, if it's not acceptable. Hopefully, although I don't see it happen in all organizations, if it's not acceptable, it should drive some sort of behavioral change. Whether we do an RCA to understand what's going on, make a change to the process or something, we should be following up to make sure it's going to move in the right direction. You know, uh, in my previous life, my former employer, I think it was if we have three consecutive measure or points of data in a negative direction, um, then we need to have a reason behind that. You know, that may be, that may be a, a pretty uh, simplistic trigger to fire that off. Um, I do believe that metrics should be uh, communicated, that they should be things that people want to see or are curious about. Uh, if you're if you're talking about metrics and people are checking their phones, or if you're talking about metrics and people aren't interested or aren't asking questions, you know that's a problem, right? So if we have a negative, even if it's one, yeah, we ought to be able to explain that away and say, well, that happened because of this event. And sometimes, when you're looking at a metrics board or a KPI board, you know one event can impact multiple metrics, right, in many different ways. Yeah. So, um, but 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 seeing that on the different metrics and how that one thing impacts many different things. Uh, it's it's always pretty telling. Absolutely. I remember in a past life, we had our maintenance dashboard, if you will. And we had something similar where if it was you had one off week, yeah, we had this major failure, operations did this, whatever. Okay, no worries. Yeah. But if it was two in a row, okay, what are we doing to correct it? And then it became if it was three, then we're doing a formal RCA, that type of thing. Like we had a progression to react on it. That way you weren't chasing those one-off events every single week. Right. And, and the other thing too is, you know, everyone always looks at metrics and they always want to talk about the negative too, right? They just want to say, well, what happened? Instead of saying, man, we are doing some really good things here. What's going good, you know? Yep. So uh, you got to talk about both and it shouldn't always be the stick. Sometimes it should be the carrot that you talk about. Oh, absolutely. There were some, and with that same organization, all the maintenance managers would meet with their dashboards once a week review their performance real quick. And if someone was doing something well, we want, that was the time to, okay, how are you driving performance in this area? What are you doing different that made it this step change so everyone else could learn from it? So I agree. It's, you got to use it both ways. Well, and you bring up a good point and you said that, you know, learn for everyone else can learn from it. So it, a lot of times metrics, especially if it's a multi-facility organization or a multi-area facility, uh, you can use, if you're tracking the same things the exact same way, you can use the metrics to say, you know, in this area or at this facility, we are very good at this, um, but they're even better at it over here. Well, how can we close that gap? Can we just simply take some of the things that they're doing and, and add it to our process? Is it a training issue? Um, will we get there eventually? And, and have that communication between those, uh, those organizations and those uh, areas that, that track the same thing the same way. So that's another good thing. Yeah. The but, benchmarking. But with that, we have to be measuring it the same way. If someone's <laughs> measuring it in Excel, another person's using SAP, another one's using a database of some sort, it doesn't work because the data doesn't line up. Then you got all kinds of other issues while you're trying to sort that out. 
and that's not even that's not even getting into the part where I'm calculating it incorrectly or differently or you know making sure that you know OEE is one of the biggest miscalculations I've seen. Um, we all want to have good OEE numbers, and I've seen many places that say we want you know 90% OEE, and uh, you know one of my former places said that 100% was available. They were completely insane. But when it gets down to you know showing the actual number people are afraid to show something that isn't a high number. And that just tells me they don't really understand what OE means and what it's about. Um, when they have to say, I need to show 85, 90, 95% OE, what they're probably showing is availability. Right. And even within that, what is included in availability? And that becomes a knockdown effect for OE. So if someone's including changeovers and someone isn't, someone's including plan maintenance, someone else isn't, all these other things. That is well, one of the biggest things I see, one of the biggest things I see is, is that um, that performance portion of OE? You know, once we go above design or our best demons, it's best demonstrated. It's not design, right? So if we're running above design, don't keep using design. It's like a world record, right? Every time you run better, that's your new benchmark, that's your new standard. And when you run better than that, it's like, you know, the person that first ran sub 10 second 100 meter dash, he broke he broke the record. He has the record. The next person that went under 10 seconds didn't have the record unless they beat that person. So everyone keeps you got to keep going for that record. And, um, and it's, it, it just comes down to them being afraid to show a bad number. Again, it's attached to an individual. That individual doesn't want to be in trouble. They don't want to have to ask the question because OE, it's so many things go into it. I, yep. We got sidetracked here on OE. But no, <laughs> That's it, a whole other podcast. <laughs> it, it goes to the fact that we need metrics to identify gaps in performance, areas for improvement, mm-hmm. those types of things. And if we play these number games, whether it's OEE or schedule compliance or maintenance and all this other stuff, we play those number games, we're not able to identify where do we need to improve and how are we truly performing? Like I've seen organizations where they'll have 95% PM compliance, you know, 90% schedule compliance, all this stuff, but yet you walk out on the floor and it's a firefighting zone. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. So, you know, there's a funny, and I, when I present about metrics, there's a funny graphic that I show, and it's basically this old beat up boat and it drives through this wall and the wall says metrics on it. And on the other side is this guy standing up in a clean suit and it's, you know, this yacht and all you're doing is taking your horrible, horrible organization, running it through a couple of calculations that feed your own interest. And on the other side, you look like an all-star. Um, <laughs> and that's something that I see a lot of times. Matter of fact, in my previous life, I saw that, you know, we would be, we would be experiencing, you know, 10 to 12 hours of downtime a week. And yet we made all our targets. All of our stuff looked incredible because it was a competitive environment. Management thought it was good if it was competitive that, hey, you know what? If, if they're running 90% OEE, by the way, which was in, calculated incorrectly, how come you're not running 90% OEE? And the answer was is because we were calculating it correctly, hoping that they would catch up to us. And they didn't. They just <laughs> kept calculating it the way they wanted to. So. Yeah. so with all these challenges, how do organizations you know, either pick the right metrics or – use them properly. You know, there's so many things that, you know, we'll backtrack for a second. We take a look at the SMRP best practices guide here. We got all these metrics. Mm-hmm. They're all laid out. Here's how you calculate them. Here's all these warnings, cautions, all these great things in it. Perfect textbook example of what we need to do. However, in real life, it's never that simple or clean cut in my experience. So how do we pick the right ones out of there to drive changes in real life or, take that information and use it in real life to, you know, make sure we're progressing in the right way. So this is a, this is a question I get a lot. I am currently for the next couple of weeks, the best practices chair for SMRP metrics. And I get this question a couple times a year. What do I need to track? Okay. Um, it's not that simple. 
Um, first and foremost, it's what do you want to improve? There's going to be those things that come down that are mandated. You know, uh, as, as a maintenance manager, we should know our maintenance cost per unit. We should know our availability of our, our primary critical systems um, or our, our most common asset classes or, you know, the, the, the big asset, the, the bottleneck. We should know the availability of that. Uh, we should know the uptime and downtime. Of course, we'll probably be told that from operations, but we should be able to track that as well. Um, if you are doing planning and scheduling, you should be tracking your planning and scheduling in some way. Um, the SMRP metrics, what is, they're, where they're great is they are reviewed constantly. They are made relevant. They're defined. They, just, they list out the objective, the calculation, but they don't tell you how to get the data. You may not have a, the, the right data to calculate these metrics, so there's going to have to be some work that you have to put in ahead of time. Secondly, it doesn't necessarily tell you which metrics to track. It just gives you a list, right? It's like going into a library saying, what book do you want to read? Well, what do you want to learn about? <laughs> exactly. Okay. So if you go in there and you want to work on planning and scheduling, we've got a ton on planning and scheduling because I, I believe there were a bunch of planners that developed a lot of these metrics in the beginning. Equipment reliability, we've got a bunch on equipment reliability. But when you start getting to the business processes and the macro metrics and things of that nature, we don't have a whole lot um, because there isn't really a whole lot. So all the other things kind of feed up to that, right? So you got to pick, pick a couple of macro metrics. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of overall equipment effectiveness simply because maintenance has one small pillar that goes into it. Yep. Um, I, I like availability or something as simple as just uptime or downtime. Yep. Um, that's, where I, that's what I think that everyone should start with the SMRP metrics. I, I'm totally aligned. What I typically recommend is what are the holy metrics for the organization? So OEE, whatever. Right. And then I say, what is maintenance? How does maintenance contribute to that? Well, you said it, availability. Okay. So maintenance is going to measure availability. Now, what goes into availability from a planning standpoint, an execution standpoint? And then we kind of build out those other metrics for the functions within maintenance, if you will. So everyone's measuring the metrics that they can influence that will contribute to the overall objectives. So the big thing is, is I can't just get me an 11 by 17 piece of paper, throw a chart on it, stick it up on a wall and expect everyone to understand what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> no. um, I did a presentation not too long ago where it was just talking about PM value and how to communicate PM value to operations. And those that basically anyone that wasn't in maintenance, you know, we talk about, you know, uh, PM corrective load, you know, like it's nothing, but to, to somebody that's, you know, operations supervisor, they may not even come close to understanding that. So you have to understand the language and the maturity level of your organization on the other side of the fence, right? In the operations side. And how can you explain to them, right? Everyone understands uptime versus downtime. It's running or it's not, right? But availability is a little bit more complicated. It's like uptime up with a twist, right? It's potential uptime. And if you can communicate that out, you know, one of the biggest mistakes people make is they don't communicate out what the objective of the metric is and what it actually means. You know, schedule compliance doesn't necessarily mean your planner didn't plan well or schedule correctly. It could mean that your operations maintenance relationship is not very good. It could mean that your production schedule is very erratic and they didn't give the asset when they said they were going to give it. There's so many things, but you have to make sure that everybody understands the definition of the metric, what it actually is measuring because that's what you're actually trying to improve. You're not trying to improve just getting more work orders through your system. You're trying to improve making your equipment more reliable so that you can make more stuff. Yep. Or, you know, support those processes. You know, for the storm, for example, everyone wants to look at stock turns and stock outs. And to your point with the metrics, it tells you how to measure it. But I have yet to see a way in any CMMS to track stock outs easily. 
and it's virtually impossible in any CMMS. And the poor store or storeroom clerk is sitting there with a little piece of paper tick boxing every time someone asks for something that's supposed to be there and isn't there. It's the best way I've seen it done so far. And I'm sure if I look through the compendium that, that there's a, there is metric five, five, three, three is stockouts for, uh, for SMRP metrics, but you're right. Is it somebody put a little tick mark next to a thing? Does the system have the ability to say, you know, bring back a zero? I don't know. And that's something that, you know, sometimes these metrics, they're great, but actually putting them into practice can be very difficult. So you have to understand the amount of work that's going to go into it too. And I will add one more thing. Um, and this is just something that, you know, some of your listeners may not agree with me on this. If it is possible to have a third not interested party calculate the metrics for the maintenance department, um, I believe that's probably the best way to go. Um, only because, and I'm not saying I don't trust my fellow maintenance people, only because a couple of reasons. One, they don't have to worry about calculating it, but it allows it. There's, I've not seen a maintenance person that doesn't ask a question, right? Yep. So immediately, if it isn't what they want, questions will start. And that's what metrics are supposed to do, drive questions. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value-added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com But there's the challenge there. So I agree 100% with you. We want something else calculating metrics. So one organization we're working with right now, they're using uh, a dashboard, kind of like Power BI, where it's linked into SAP and ADP and all these other things. So it's pulling these metrics automatically. So the, the data is what it is. No one's touching the it, touching it metrics. They're coming out the way it is. So that's good because we're standardizing how it's pulled for all the different sites and areas. However, the other thing we got to consider, I think, is the balancing piece to metrics, right? If I am only, and what I'll say by balancing is, you give me one metric, I'll make that metric work. You give me schedule compliance, no problem. <laughs> I'm going to schedule one job. Now I got 100% schedule compliance, easy peasy. However, if we put in a balancing KPI, like percentage plan time, as an example, now it forces me to try and strike that right balance. Same with stock turns and stock outs. I think when organizations look at picking these metrics and trying to drive the right behaviors, they have to consider what inadvertent behavior may this drive? Is that what we want? How are we going to balance that with another metric to make sure we're we're moving forward properly? You know, and that's an excellent point, the stock turns versus stock outs. Uh, the same thing with, you know, uh, planning the schedule compliance or and, and, and craft utilization, you know, it, it, Exactly. I actually ran into that exact situation in one of my previous uh, employers. But I'll say this too. It, people say, you know, hey, it should be six, seven metrics and that's about it. That's all you need. I, I disagree. Um, I think that it should be whatever you think you need that shouldn't be prohibitive to your time, first of all, but whatever you need to tell the story you need to tell. So if you have four or five macro metrics, if you look at availability, schedule compliance, you know, stock outs, whatever you want to look at to call your macro metrics, there's going to be several submetrics underneath those that actually drive those, right? Um, I'm okay with that. And maybe you just report out the macros and then talk to those based on the information you have from the other metrics, those leading, those leading metrics, right? Um, and, but reporting out leading metrics to, to, to uh, you know, higher ups, 
it's probably too far in the weeds, but it's okay to keep those, you know, in your department or in your organization um, to find out how you're doing and driving your processes in the right way. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It's not the maintenance department gets these six metrics or these eight metrics or whatever it is. I think it's they got to be organized, like you said, leading metrics for the different areas of responsibility. Now, the storeroom may have four or five. That's going to feed into a larger maintenance dashboard, which is going to feed into a larger operational dashboard and so on and so forth. So it's not that the maintenance department only has you know four, six, eight. At a macro level, they have these four. At a planning group, they have these five, say. Store has these yeah. three or four. REs, mm-hmm. MEs have these five that they're doing. And all those feed up to support the overall macro level. Yep, and they can change based on where our new weaknesses are, where our, you know, when I first started out uh, years ago, we were implementing a new CMMS and people, at, we, the organization was maybe five years old. They didn't really have much. And the first thing I tracked was work orders, work orders entered in, right? It wasn't a SMRP, SMRP metric. It was just something I needed to know to, I needed people to do to change the behavior of what we were trying to, to, yeah. to get to, which is people actually documenting the work that they were doing. So we could pull it up by technician and say, look, you had documented, you know, 20 hours last week. Um, is that actually what you did? And eventually we got to a point where they were, they were comfortable documenting everything they did and understanding that the rest of it was probably a lack of planning and scheduling, which in full, full disclosure we had. So what, but it also gave us an idea to say, oh, wow, you know, we are so reactive here. This is all the stuff that they're entering in on their own. Now we know how much we have left to plan and schedule for. And we, we actually, long story short, we were able to look at many different things just by looking at something as simple as how many work orders we were writing every week. Yeah. And I think that's key is you got to pick the metrics that are important to you, but at the same time, be willing to change them if something else is more important, if they're not working, whatever. Don't be afraid to change them. Let me ask you a question, James. Let me put my podcast headphones on for a second. <laughs> what if what if you're a you're a you're a maintenance director or, or or senior manager and you you show up to a KPI meeting three months in a row and everything is green, everything is great? What does that mean to you? It means we're missing opportunity somewhere. To me personally, yeah. I think we're missing things because if we're always green, we're either not trying hard enough or we're not looking in the right spots. We're tracking the wrong things, and that's something that I think that goes back to the whole carrot thing. Right. Everybody wants to be petted. Everyone wants to be told how great they are. No one wants to say, hey, this is my bruise. This is my skeleton in my closet. Right. So we can't be afraid to show that today we weren't as good as we were yesterday. Remember, I said measure those todays. And so when we talk about the metrics as a holistic thing of performance, tying it to a person, you're going to get as many greens as you can. Right. And, and, and it's just human nature. So if we're always green, as a senior manager, I've been to so many meetings where everything was perfect and everybody walked away with no questions. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Really? Keep doing what I'm well, doing? I can't get any better? But I think that also goes to part of the, and this is a whole other conversation for another day, but I think part of that goes to the culture of the organization. Are we trying to improve? If it's a continuous improvement type culture and organization, then most people in that organization are asking, what are we missing? Or why are if we're targeted here for 80, why aren't we stretching for 90 then? if we're always green and just those basic things and that whole culture feeds into it. But if it's a culture where you have red, you're going to get the stick. Of course, everyone's going to make it look green and not ask questions. Right. And, and, and you'll admit this too, that, that the strategy for closing a gap is way different than the strategy for maintaining a performance level, right? Oh, absolutely. 
And so once you maintain, once you get to say you want to have this metric at 85% and you reach 85, 86% and you're there three or four, you know, times in a row, now it becomes, okay, how do we maintain this? Now, how can we lean this up, right? How can we take those resources that we use to get there, apply less effort and energy to it, back it off a little bit and still maintain that, right? Um, so it's, it's, it's a different strategy. And, and I find that I have never found, come to say it, I've never found a, a maintenance leadership that when all everything is going great, they don't say, okay, now how, how are we going to maintain that instead of, hey, good job, pat them on the back and go to the next meeting. Yep. Yep. And that's one of, that's some of the big challenges out there of driving that continuous improvement. Rick, we talked a lot about metrics. Is there anything that we have not mentioned or something you want our listeners to take away from the conversation today? Well, so align them with your goals. Uh, at first, don't set lofty targets, concentrate on today, you know, understand where am I today? If I'm going to start tracking, if I'm going to start tracking uh, schedule compliance, for example, it would be very presumptuous to say, I'm going to come out meeting my target. Yep. Uh, don't be afraid to show that you're not meeting your target. What an opportunity for maintenance department to get better. I mean, uh, you know, all maintenance managers, you talk about a continuous improvement culture. We all say we are, um, but what an opportunity to actually prove it, you know, uh, just collect the data and don't be upset about where you are. Uh, yes, it will look bad potentially, uh, but it's an opportunity to tell a story over time to leave a legacy. Right. Um, that's, that's, that's the big thing. And, and, and we said it earlier, if you're tracking everything, you're tracking looks good, try to figure out why that is. And should you be tracking something else? Yep. Yep. Absolutely agree. Have a flight plan with those metrics. We want to go here next month, here in two months, here in five months and so on and so forth. Have that flight plan up. That way we don't get overwhelmed, especially for those newer metrics where we're performing very poorly on. Love it. Rick, I want to thank you again for taking the time. Where can people find out more about you, what you're up to, some of the resources we talked about, all those great things? Well, so uh, LinkedIn, uh, it's the best way to get a hold of me and, and just shoot me a message. I love talking to the listeners that have a podcast and have a question. Just ask me anything. I usually answer within a couple of days. Um, I'm going to be speaking at uh, Reliable Plant on the black hole of maintenance. And the uh, at SMRP, I'll be doing two things there. I'm doing the best practices workshop, um, all things metric-y, doing some math problems in class. And I'll also be doing a presentation on um, what happens if we don't plan and schedule. Everybody always wants to say, you should plan and schedule, and this is why you should. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the inverse of, well, what happens if you don't? <laughs> it'll be a little tongue-in-cheek kind of fun thing with some funny pictures, but it'll be, hopefully the, the listeners will come away understanding that, you know, it, it's a huge morale detractor if we don't. So, um, but that's what I'll be up to. Mm-hmm. All right. Excellent. I will make sure to put links to all these in the show notes. Once again, Rick, thanks for taking the time to talk to us about metrics in real life. Yeah, for real. <laughs> all right, James. Thanks. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.